This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz, and happy Easter. Naz. Also joining us happy, this morning. Happy Easter to you and your family. Okay, Naz, uh, good morning to you and happy Easter. Also joining us this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf to Washington Capitol, leaping Lou Franceschetti. Lou, good morning and happy Easter to you. Good morning to all you guys out there. How you doing? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, just to let our listeners know today, uh, Raptors, uh, first playoff game last night <coughs> against the Sixers. Then the get we didn't get the result we could have liked. Uh, apparently, uh, over the course of history, Raptors don't necessarily do very well in their first playoff game of a series. But who better than chat with TSN analyst uh, Leo Routens, who's actually down in Philadelphia? So we'll get a chance to talk to Leo after the first break. Bottom end, sad news this week on a couple of fronts. Uh, Mike Bossy, NHL legend, uh, passed away way way too soon at the age of 65. Remarkable, remarkable career. Um, cut short because of back injuries, but passed away at the age of 65. And uh, we have uh, Islanders legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, Denis Potvin, who will be on to join us to uh, celebrate the life of Mike Bossy and some great Islander teams from that era. Lou, I know you played against Mike Bossy, and um, um, well, uh, we look forward to your thoughts on that. Also get an opportunity to chat about another uh, local hockey legend, uh, Tom McCarthy, who passed away this week. Uh, Tom McCarthy will forever be uh, remembered in as one of the finest uh, young products of the Metro Toronto, uh, as it was at the time, uh, minor hockey system. Was uh, much touted, uh, drafted. Uh, he'll always re- be remembered as being drafted number one in the OHL draft. The year Wayne Gretzky was drafted number three, Tom McCarthy went to the Oshawa Generals. And uh, Lou, I know that you uh, you ran across Tom McCarthy's more or less a uh, contemporary of yours. Um, you uh, you played some minor hockey, uh, and you played some tier two junior with the Young Nets, and uh, Tom McCarthy was a big star with the North North York Rangers in the mid seventies. Uh, and you butted heads with uh, Tom McCarthy a few times in uh, in junior, as well, and also in the NHL. Um, Lou, your uh, your fond uh, remembrances of Tom McCarthy. He was uh, certainly in the mid seventies was considered was considered a superstar in the local area. Lou, uh, yes, he was Wally. He was uh, with me being involved with the Nats uh, at the age of eighteen. Uh, Tom was coming up through the uh, Young Nats organization, and uh, he more or less he they had a stacked team the year before as a, as a midget team. As, if you recall, I think back in the early seventies, uh, the first team that ever went to the Wrigley's uh, 
and Tom was part of that team. And and then he played with the North York Rangers, where I had the pleasure uh, of playing against him. Uh, with he was with the North York Rangers, and I was with the Young Nats or the the so-called Vaughn Nats. Uh, <laughs> okay, back then. Um, and he, he was a remarkable talent. They, they were Gretzky? talking about him being yeah. uh, probably the next superstar coming up in the National Hockey because he really had everything. He had size, he had skill, he could skate, uh, and, and he competed at a level that nobody uh, uh, could believe. And then the year that he got drafted first overall to Oshawa, it's funny because we ended up uh, with the second-worst record that year in Niagara Falls. And our owner decided not to pay Wayne Gretzky $75 a week, so we passed on Wayne Gretzky and drafted uh, another uh, kid by the name of Steve Peters. Yeah, uh, great. But those. Tom McCarthy was o- over and above <laughs> at that age. Uh, he was an unbelievable hockey player. Really, really quickly before I turn it over to the Nets, uh, you talked about the Vaughn Nets. Uh, you didn't play with Gretzky when he was with the Vaughn Nets, did you? I did. I played uh, a few weeks with him, and... Uh, that's the only thing that he remembers of me. He didn't remember <laughs> anything about the National Hockey League. Was that uh, he uh, that I played with him on the same line, um, and he also inscripted that on on a book that uh, that he signed for me. Oh, that's a great story, Naz. Uh, Tom McCarthy. Really quickly, um, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we may have run across, uh, and perhaps Lou as well, uh, may have come across him on some ball hockey uh, courts because he was a noted ball hockey player he did. You know, he in the late 70s. For, I, I'm well, pretty he, sure we we played against him at one point in time. Naz, uh, well, he was supposed to play with us. Oh, hockey. really? Yeah, I, I had met him at a party one time. Interesting. And he, he's supposed to play with the Western Rangers at one time. Uh, that's the, Him that's and Joe Cicchini. Do you remember that name? I remember Joe Cicchini, North York Rangers as well. Um, but Tom McCarthy, um, uh, we just wanted, you know, had some difficulties after his career ended. I want to finish this off on a positive note with Tom. Um, there's no secret here, Naz. You and I had Tom McCarthy on the show on Father's Day. Oh, I can't remember what year it was now, but it was probably 17 or 2017, 2018. We had him on Father's Day for a very specific reason, because he wanted to thank his father. Um, Tom had some really tough difficulties after his career was over. Uh, He went to prison. He was uh, charged with conspiracy to traffic, I believe, in drugs. He was was running trucks. Uh, He was sentenced to five years in Leavenworth which is not exactly uh, the Four Seasons Hotel. Um, but he, uh, interestingly enough, at Leavenworth, he turned his life around. He started a hockey program. Uh, talk about Burt Reynolds in the longest yard. Uh, he was much admired and, and loved by his fellow inmates. Um, got the opportunity to speak with, uh, I was connected to him by one of his players because he started coaching in the Northern Ontario Hockey League. Uh, fine young gentleman by the name of Carmen Alfano, who introduced us to Tom McCarthy then. And we had Tom on the show, and he broke down and cried. I don't know if you remember this one, Naz. He made us cry at the same time because he thanked his father for standing beside him all those years. Um, and he turned his life around. Uh, he passed away this week in Mexico. Um, you know, like a lot of hockey players from his era, that when things didn't go well, perhaps wasn't in the best financial situation. They started a GoFundMe campaign to pay for some of expenses, some of his expenses. 
All we will say is, Tom, um, you know, you, you did make a difference uh, when you turned your life around. You inspired some young people up in northern Ontario. And uh, all we can say on behalf of the NAS and Wally Sports Hour is rest in peace. NAS, a couple of minutes before we go to break, then we got Leo Routens, Toronto Maple Leafs, Mark Giordano. Man, Kyle Dubas looking like a genius right now, isn't he, Naz? He must have been listening to Naz on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. <laughs> Yeah, the, for those of you who didn't get a chance to watch the game last night, uh, uh, Leafs pulled it out in overtime. Mark Giordano scored the goal. Uh, the only thing I, 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 you know, we've got tough, tough series at the end of this week. Uh, back to Florida against the Panthers and the Lightning, who are likely to be the first-round opponent for the Leafs. But thankfully, the Leafs don't have to play Buffalo or Montreal in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they just, that game against Buffalo, but... Uh, as they uh, they seem to turn it up a notch when they play the better teams in the playoffs. Uh, your reaction to the Leafs' week, Naz, and um, what, what do you foresee over the course of the next well, couple they weeks? get another two points, and they beat their all-time record of 105 points, so they've had a pretty good season, Wally. And, you know, Tampa's defense doesn't look that good right now. McDonough, I don't know if he's back yet. If they're missing him, they're in trouble. Um, Lou, I'll turn it over to you. Um, you know, we uh, we have the uh, conversation every Sunday morning, and uh, we recap the Leafs week. Some weeks are some weeks are really fantastic, and other weeks are sort of, you know, it's an up and down week for the Leafs. When you lose five to two to the Sabers, you can't say it was a great week. But uh, you know, they uh, won it in overtime last night, um, and uh, another victory during the week as well. So, Lou. Leafs this morning, I checked the Athletic every Sunday morning to see where Leafs are in the power rankings. Uh, they've got the Leafs as the fourth best team in the league right now. Uh, agree or disagree, Lou? Well, I, I, I definitely agree uh, with you there. They probably are the fourth best team in the league, but uh, they, they always make people wonder on <laughs> when they play teams like uh, the Sabres and the, and the Senators last night, but at least they had the results resiliency uh, last night to come back and uh, after being down, I think, 3-1 three, three, come back and win a hockey game. Uh, again, it's just one of those things that uh, are, are they just getting ready for the playoffs? I don't know. But you definitely know that uh, once they play the top teams, and we will find out next week, like we always say, they, they've got Tampa and Florida on the road, and then uh, they got Boston in the last uh, game of the season, hopefully, which won't mean uh, won't mean anything. Uh, but again, it's going to come down to to be the best. You got to beat the best, and maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning might be the best team that uh, that they want to face uh, in the first round of any playoffs. Because if you look at the teams that they have faced over the years, uh, they've been more or less on cruise control the whole year until the playoffs, and then. Uh, well, you know what happens. Anyways, on that note, uh, we've got uh, we've got Leo Routen standing by down in Philadelphia to talk about last night Raptors game. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra large when Pizzaville gives you eighteen whopping inches? Steaming hot. Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming on the internet, www.zoomeradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, TSN Sports Analyst, uh, Leo Routens, good morning and happy Easter. Leo, how are you this morning? Good morning. Happy Easter to you and all the listeners out there. Hope everybody's having a, a great day. Um, we certainly are. Thank you, Leo. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to it. Raptors uh, have a habit of not doing very well in the first game of a playoff series, and they didn't break their, uh, they didn't break their tradition last night. Um, not a great, uh, not a great result for the Raptors. Uh, you know they're in uh, as as Philly demonstrated last night. Philly's got, uh, you know they're 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 tough. Uh, they're a pretty tough team. Uh, good team. Um, analyze the game for us, Leo, last night, and how can we expect something different in the next game? Well, you know I I don't like the way the Raptors started out the game. Um, I thought Philly came out very aggressively, and, and I do think there were a few calls early in the game um, that kind of set the Raptors back a little bit. Uh, and you know, I didn't like the calls and how it was officiated early. Um, and you know, you pick up two quick fouls on Fred; it kind of changes what he can do, and uh, just what they were allowing Embiid to do early uh, kind of set the tone. Um, but, you know, but the Raptors still, you know, you got to be aggressive. You got to attack. And there's things they did in the second half that had they done to start the game, it could have been, you know, a very different game. Um, you know, but for Philly, this was this was this was a huge game. Uh, there's so much pressure on them, uh, and there's so much anxiety about this series uh, and the playoffs in general with their two stars and Bead and Harden because they haven't had postseason success. Uh, and even Doc Rivers, their coach, is getting a lot of heat. So uh, this is a huge game for them, and they came out the way 
you would expect them to come out with something uh, as big as this. So, uh, you know, for the Raptors, I'm not really concerned about losing the game. Uh, they know they can make the adjustments. They know they can figure it out. They've done that many times before. I am concerned about the injuries that occurred in the game, uh, and, you know, with Thaddeus Young and Scotty Barnes, which potentially, uh, you know, could really influence the series going forward. Uh, of course, if you didn't watch the game last night, the Raptors lost to the Sixers 131 to 111. Naz, do you have any updates on Scotty Barnes, Leo? No, no, there's no, no no updates at this point. I mean, x-rays on both players were negative last night, but that, that really doesn't mean much. Uh, you know, you could have ligament damage, you know, all kinds of other damage. So they're going to be, uh, uh, be more testing today. Um, but like I said, you're talking about, you know, Scotty Barnes has been an integral, integral part of the team all season long. He was two assists away from a triple-double, the first of Raptors playoff history, had he got it. Uh, and that's a rookie, and, and that tells you how important he is. I thought he had a tremendous game, uh, and he was one of the guys that was aggressive throughout the game, including the beginning, which, again, the Raptors struggled in. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a big deal. It really is a big deal to see what happens with both of these guys going forward. Uh, Leo, just here, where we've got Louis uh, Franceschetti in the house with us today. So, uh, Louis, I'll let you uh, question for Leo. Hey, Leo, nice jacket last night. I like the color. Oh, I appreciate it. It was my, my Easter look. <laughs> <laughs> um, do the Raptors have an answer for the physicality of Joel Embiid and the creativity of uh, Tyrus Maxey? Uh, because they looked unstoppable last night. It seemed like the old olden days where when you had that big physical center down the middle, it was elbows everywhere, and it just seemed that uh, they were out-muscled, uh, especially in the paint and under the under the basket? Well, I mean, you know, I think there were a couple things that happened, as I mentioned. I thought at the, at the early on in the game, uh, the officiating kind of set the tone for what Embiid was allowed to do. Um, and I thought, you know, again, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on officials or harp on it, but uh, they kind of just let him have his way um, in a lot of different ways. And they've been, and you know, he's too big and too physical to protect him in any way. I mean, you just got to, you just got to play, and you got to allow physicality to play against him. So, you know, the Raptors have to be smarter. Uh, they have to be more aggressive. They have to get to him earlier. I mean, there were a lot of times he dribbled the ball practically down the floor. Uh, and nobody got in his way, nobody slowed him down, nobody took a charge. So you can't play against him that way. Uh, he's just too big and too good. So, uh, you know, if the, Rap- if the Raptors have to do better, um, they don't have a true big, but they have players that can compete and, and uh, use their quickness and really dis- really disturb them, and they've got to do that. When you're talking about a player like Maxi, well, he's feeding off of the uh, pressure that uh, Embiid and, and James Harden have to get. Those two guys get the focus of the defense, so somebody's going to have some opportunities. Uh, and Tyrese Maxey was the guy that got him. Now, the only difference being Fred, Fred Van Vliet picked up a couple of early fouls, really bad calls, non-existent calls, and that influenced the way he was able to defend a player like Maxey. So once Maxey got going early with a couple of shots, all of a sudden the rim looked like it was, it was an ocean uh, and he couldn't miss. So... Uh, you know the Raptors will make their adjustments, uh, and and they'll and they'll uh, 
and they'll they'll come back with some different things. Nick Nurse is great at that. Uh, but again, if you don't have a Scotty Barnes that really does influence, you know how and what you can do, uh, and, and you're short a, a long athletic defender, which could really hurt. Uh, we're talking to Leo Routens. Uh, not that I want to blame the officials for for last night's uh, result. I mean, the Sixers three turnovers the whole game. That's it. Shot fifty one point two percent. 16 of 32 from three and 29 of 34 from the charity line. So, you know, I don't want to take away from the Sixers victory, but I'll ask this question perhaps more on a general level, Leo, because we know that when a playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey, it's much more physical. It's much more abrupt and the officiating changes in the playoffs. Um, you know, we all know about the referees putting their whistle away the last 10 minutes of the game. And we also know that the refs don't call in the NHL, don't call in the playoffs what they call in the regular season. Is officiating different in the NBA at playoff time? And if that's the case, um, how much difference did it make in last night's game? Well, you know, again, they say it's not supposed to change, but it changes. You know, it changes all the time, uh, just like in hockey. And uh, but I wish the I wish the officials would have put their whistles away, uh, and and but they didn't. You know, they allowed a level of physicality for um, uh, and that they didn't allow for the Raptors. Um, which again, I don't blame officials, and I think a lot of that happened in the first quarter. Uh, and from that point on, I think it just affected the game, uh, and that's on the Raptors. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that you know the more aggressive and physical you are, uh, the more you just just play a certain way, you're the one that's putting the pressure on the officials to not blow the whistle, and that's what you want to do, right? But when you you come out a little passive, you get some calls, and now you're you 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 go hard, you go soft. Uh, you can't play that way. There's no rhythm, and the officials will make calls. So I think you got to put the pressure on them and just be aggressive the entire time. Uh, you know, they're not going to foul everybody out. They're not going to foul the whole team out, so they're going to have to let things go. But you, so the main, main thing is play one way. So you know, again, it's not the officials. But even though I didn't like the whistle at the start of the game, uh, that loss wasn't the officials. The officials, I mean, the, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Raptors in their own game. Uh, you know they they didn't turn the ball over. They they you know they scored points off turnovers. Not the Raptors. They got offensive rebounds. They got second chance points. You know they did everything the Raptors have to do to win. So Toronto has to turn that around. Nas, Leo, if Maxi and Harris have uh, games like they did last night, the Raptors are in deep trouble in this series. What do you think? Well, again, you know, you know, something's got to give, right? You you put a lot of pressure on your two main guys. Uh, something's got to give, but and and then it goes back to what I was saying before. You got to be aggressive, uh, much more aggressive and smarter. And the Raptors just did not do a good job of that. They uh, they gave up a lot of open, uh, uncontested looks. And you know, hey, Tobias Harris, he's a good player, uh, but he's not a guy that's gonna is gonna gonna win you games. He'll score a lot of points during the body of the game. Uh, Maxi is a good young player, but you can apply pressure and you can alter what he does out there. And it, it's just important for the Raptors to play just a more aggressive, smarter style of defense. And you know, like I said, I, I, you know, I'm confident Nick Nurse is going to make the adjustments. And this team is very resilient. They're going to come out and they're going to be 
you know, they're not going to be happy Cowboys when they come out for game two. Uh, again, the only concern you have is if, if you're missing one, possibly two guys, 6'9", uh, that are athletic and can defend, uh, that really puts you behind the eight ball. Luke? Uh, what's Maxie's uh, status for coming up uh, up to Canada? There was rumblings that he's only uh, got a single vac, and he's not allowed. He won't be allowed in the in the country. Uh, that's that's Matisse Kybel. Uh You know he's 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 the player they're talking about uh, not being vaxxed. and uh, so as far as I know, he's not going to be able to play in Canada. So uh, and that and that hurts him because he's a great defender. Um, and and uh, so that that that's going to impact him. He's a starter. He's a great defender. Uh, he changes the game at that end of the floor, uh, and he could really bother you know uh, different matchups on the, for the Toronto Raptors. So you know anything like that's going to help the Raptors uh, game three and four. But uh, you know we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Leo, you're Nick Nurse. You got you got a force in the middle, Joel Embiid. No, if I if I was Nick Nurse, I'd be worth a lot more money. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, but uh, we uh, we is, we always we always have the highest regard for your basketball acumen and insights. Um, Joel Embiid at, in the first game has already set the tone and has already put his, for lack of a better term, his foot on the series. You're Nick Nurse. How do you neutralize that? What do you do? Well, I I think he started last night. He, he made in his post game. Uh, presser, he talked a lot about what Embiid was, was allowed to do. Uh, and you see this all the time. You know, coaches get into post-game pressure, and now they're going to put pressure on the officials uh, to step up. You know, you take the fine if you have to, but you address certain things you didn't think were right, uh, and now that's going to be a focal point of game two. So I think he took step one. Uh, step two is, like I said, the rappers just have to be smarter. Uh, Embiid kind of went wherever he wanted to go. Uh, you got to get in his way. You got to impede his progress. Uh, you got to you got to trap him quicker. Uh, if he's going to put the ball on the floor, you got to get to him sooner. Uh, there were three or four times the Raptors could have taken a charge on him. You got a seven foot, you know, three hundred pound dude dribbling the ball down the floor. Somebody's got to get in front of him. Simple as that. Uh, and they didn't do it. So. Uh, and then at the other side of it, you know, you got to attack him. I mean, there was a play in the second half where Pascal Siakam drove the ball, put his left shoulder in, in the MB, knocked him back, and scored. Okay, well, if you start the game and you attack Embiid by going at the body and, and driving the ball at him, he might not be in the game in the second half because of fouls. So, you know, you know a good way to stop a good offensive player is attack him with a good offensive player. Uh, you want to make sure you go with him. Don't let him rest. Don't let him. Uh, don't let him stay in the game. And the Raptors did not do that. They they were sporadic in the way they went at him, and they showed him too much respect. So it's very important. Uh, if I'm Nick Nurse, I'm just going to address that and say, hey, we can do better. We can be better. We can be smarter. And if we make our adjustments in game two, we're going to have a good chance of walking away with a victory. Nas. I'd like to talk about the other, one of the other series. Minnesota looks fantastic in their game against Memphis. Do they have a shot against Memphis? Yeah, they got a shot. I mean, Minnesota's a talented team, uh, and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. They got uh, they got some young players that, that I think really grew up in the playing series. I think they 
they really found themselves and they're comfortable. Um, so, yeah, they're a team that can beat Memphis. I mean, hey, Memphis had a really good regular season. They're aggressive, but they're a young team. And, and just like Minnesota, they're a young team. They're going to make mistakes. You know, some players are not going to respond to the pressure of the playoffs. Some will. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you go through this whole playoff, and, and I don't care whether it's we're talking Minnesota, Memphis, or you're talking about, you know, Phoenix or, or anybody else, everybody's beatable. Uh, everybody's beatable. Uh, there's no team that you can say they cannot be beat. Nobody. And uh, so the, the playoffs could be very interesting. If you get hot, you play with confidence, you play aggressive, uh, anything can happen. So Minnesota, without a doubt, can win the series. Talking about uh, other series, the one that seems to get the most attention, um, Leo, is the Celtics and the Nets. Uh, Celtics are being touted as a team that may potentially go to the NBA Finals, seem to have uh, a lot of depth and a lot of key players in a lot of different areas. And, of course, the Nets have... Who else? Uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Durant, and uh, Steve Nash as their coach. Should be a fascinating series. How do you uh, how do you size this one up, Neil? Well, you know, I don't see Boston as being a team that can get to the that can get to the finals. But they're they're a great regular season team. Uh, they play great defense. Uh, they do have you know two key players, Jalen Brown and 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 Tatum, that are really talented. Uh, but, you know, again, they're a beatable team, and, and, you know, their defense is going to be tested. Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving and, and uh, Kevin Durant are very, very difficult to defend against, and that's a tough matchup. I mean, if that's your reward for finishing second, having to play those guys, that's, <laughs> that's not a great reward. No, it's... Uh, and, and uh, you know, their, their defense will be tested, uh, and the depth. I mean, people don't realize the depth of the Nets is pretty good. they got a lot of good players that can come in. Uh, and info change the game, and the Boston, Boston does not have a great depth. Uh, and Rob Williams, their center, uh, you know, if he's not available to play, which I doubt, uh, that that really hurts them. They become much less athletic and much less. Uh, uh, they they don't have the ability to protect the rim as well without him. So that's going to change the dynamics of what they can do defensively. But uh, this this should be a fun series to watch. But I think the Nets are going to be tough to beat. On that note, Leo, we're just going to simply thank you once again for uh, taking the time on uh, on a Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. Uh, we pre- always appreciate your bas- basketball passion and your basketball insights, and uh, we hope that the Raptors follow tradition and then they turn it around after uh, week game one and uh, they get going in the series and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll see uh, we'll see a victory at the end of it. Uh, we've got our fingers crossed. Leo, thank you so much. Fingers crossed. Happy Easter and have a great day, everybody. Leo Rubens. Um, we'll be right back. We're going to have on uh, New York Islander legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, and we'll be talking about Mike Bossy. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest. We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. 
KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. Last minute of play in the game. Unlike sports, the outcome of palliative care isn't determined in the dying seconds. Physically, socially, and spiritually, palliative care is giving someone the best quality of life for however long life remains, while supporting their loved ones. All services are free of charge with partial government funding. The need for palliative care is great. Making an impact is the newly opened Hospice Vaughn Mario and Nick Cortellucci Hospice Palliative Care Center of Excellence. A truly amazing 10-bed residence, the first palliative care hub in Vaughn. If you share the belief that everyone deserves to live until they die, get involved. Volunteer your time or donate to hospicevaughn.com. We are for community, by community, and together we are here to serve. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on FM 740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live streaming on the internet, www.zoomeradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning, New York Islander legend, Hockey Hall of Famer, Denis Podvent. Denis, good morning. How are you this morning, and happy Easter. Oh, happy Easter to you, and uh, I'm doing fine. It's been a very rough uh, couple of months, no doubt about that. Uh, We just, before, uh, and we had a brief opportunity to chat uh, um, the other day, uh, Denis, on behalf of the Nazawali Sports Hour, we know how difficult a couple of months this has been for the New York Islanders family, and also for you personally. Uh, We lost Mike. You lost Clark, and you lost your dear brother, Jean. So on behalf of uh, us and our listeners, our sincere condolences. Hi, uh, thank you very much. Um, Denis, Mike Bossy, um, one of the greatest hockey players uh, to have ever played in the NHL, statistics and records that leap off the page. Um, I will simply ask you, um, you know, he's part of that great, great New York Islanders uh, uh, team of the late 70s and early 80s, four, four consecutive Stanley Cups, 19 straight series, if I recall correctly. Um, your, um, 
I would just ask very, very, uh, very, very simply and very respectfully, your first time you remember seeing Mike Bossy play hockey, was it with the Islanders? Was it in Junior A? Uh, your first recollections of the first time you ever watched him uh, uh, put on the New York Islanders jersey and practice against him? <laughs> you know, it's a great question to ask because it's very timely. Uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Boss and his family, who was a wonderful, wonderful family man, dedicated to his wife and daughters. But if I were to describe Mike Bossy when I first saw him, it looked like a toothpick with an afro. <laughs> he was a skinny kid. He had the big, big hair and uh, had a great smile on his face. And, you know, you had to wonder, my gosh, you know, what is he going to be able to bring? Well, he told Bill Torrey, the general manager, uh, back in, uh, you know, in the year of his draft, when Bill Torrey asked him, we need to find somebody to score goals because we've got a great centerman in Brian Trache. And Boss just told him, I'll score 50. And that was it. So he had a lot of confidence in his ability, and obviously he showed it throughout his career. Uh, Nass? Hi, Denny. How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. That's good. Uh, Mike Bossy was drafted 15th overall by the Islanders. Yeah. 13 other teams passed on him. Why did they pass? Especially when the draft is 20 years old, not 18 like it is now. Well, I'd say that's a question that came up a lot in the early days. And uh, what happened, I think, is uh, there was a fellow named Saracino who was a great scout. Uh, and, of course, Jimmy DeVolano, they were uh, scouting everything that could skate, obviously, to help a, you know, a young Islander team. And, and it came down to the fact that you know we needed a goal scorer. Uh, and the reason why I think Boss went 15 is simply because he had, I don't know if it was hip surgery or just a couple of injuries in junior, because the guy played a very courageous game. I mean, he would go into those dirty spots to score goals. He got hit and cross-checked a lot. And uh, I think there may have been a little concern about, you know, the injuries that he suffered as a junior and then his skating ability. He wasn't a great skater, but he would always get there. So I, I think that may have been one of the reasons why he was passed up by so many teams. Um, and, you know, teams were looking for guys that could fly. And, you know, the New York Rangers, I think just before the Islander pick, picked, uh, I think it was Donnie Murdoch, who, uh, you know, was a heck of a young player and with great speed. So I think that's your answer right there. I, I think they doubted that he had the skating ability to be in the NHL. We're talking to Denis Potvin. Denis, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I guess I, maybe I forewarned you, or I, I let you know that uh, an ex-nemesis of yours would, uh, is a co-host with every now and then. Leo, I call him Leap and Lou Franceschetti. I know you guys had some battles when uh, when Lou was with the Washington Capitals. So I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you guys to renew your uh, battles or your friendship. Uh, I'll turn it over to Lou. Good morning, Dennis, and happy birthday, uh, happy, birth, happy Easter. Yeah, well, happy Easter to you too, Lou. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, bud. Listen, ahead, uh, ahead. this is to the utmost respect to you and the rest of those Islander players and, and teams that we that we went toe to toe to in the in the mid '80s. That we wanted to be just like you. Uh, but when we played each other, it just seemed like your better players came up just a step ahead of our better players. Uh, and remembering Mike, uh, 
uh, as I did uh, playing left wing and being on the ice uh, a few times. Uh, it was just uh, it was just unbelievable for me uh, and remarkable that I actually was on the ice with with your great players that you had back then. But the, the one thing that stood out about Mike is he knew exactly where to go on the ice in the offensive zone. And I remember somebody saying, uh, he had a conversation with uh, with him, and he would tell him, listen, always shoot for the middle of the net. And that's right. the thing that's always stuck in my mind. Uh, and uh, as great goal scorers as there are sometimes, you'd never think of that's the probably one of the easiest things to do uh, um, on the ice. You know, Lou, you're so uh, correct about uh, whoever said that to you knew Mike Bossy fairly well. And, uh, you know, I might have even said it because I practice with him every day. And people have said, you know, there may be better goal scorers that have in the past or, you know, have come since. But I got to tell you, when you practice with a guy every single day and you see how he picks that same spot time and time again, and then, of course, if you, uh, you know, you look back at the series against the Vancouver Canucks in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, he could pull that puck to his backhand and put it anywhere, top shelf as well. So it wasn't like he just had the one, you know, the one, uh, the one gun in that quick wrist shot. Uh, he could really move it around. And, you know, he's also a guy that he moved from, from face-off dot to face-off dot depending on where the puck was and where it was going. Of course, he had one of the greatest centermen as his centermen in Brian Trotche. And, you know, then Clark Gillies. And there were a lot of different guys, you know, Tanelli and Bob Bourne that made a pit of play the left wing. But it was really the combination of Trotch and Boss that was truly amazing. And they didn't need words between them. They knew where to be and when to be there. That's oh, about- he had one of the quickest releases I ever saw. And what a great compliment to uh, to Clark and Brian. Uh, obviously, I got to meet them more on a personal basis after our careers were over. But it, it's just uh, them talking about uh, Mike going into the open spots. Uh, like you said, they didn't even have to talk about it. They knew exactly where, where Mike was. And he had probably one of the quickest releases uh, in the game that uh, as soon as he got it on the stick, was on the net. Uh, you know, Lou, Lou, I'm going to ask you a quick question, okay? Yep. Um, I know having played against you, you know, you're a, you know, you're a tough, like, north-south kind of player, but you had a really good skating ability. So tell me, it was hard to keep up with Boss, right? It was hard to find him. He always seemed to, you know, find in open areas, and even as a guy playing against him, it was hard to check because he just kept on the move. He may not have been the best skater in the world. But he sure moved around quickly. He, he really was, Dennis, and and only because, uh, as as I was a probably a north south player, we were pretty structured uh, with uh, with the caps. And obviously, you know how good our defense was back then. That yeah. I couldn't really keep up with Mike on, on the on the right side. So he always used to shift over to the to the opposite side, which he had a lot more to shoot at with being a right handed shot. And he was tougher right. on my behalf to to actually stay with him because of the structure that we had. But, uh, you know, we just couldn't seem to find him. It was one of those things that we really thought that we had you in 83, 84. Uh, and then you guys came back and, and beat us in six. Uh, yeah. 
and, and again, it was just one of those things that it was it was hard to play against, but it was beautiful to watch because I'd, I'd watch yeah. the games afterwards. Uh, Denis, if I could interrupt uh, uh, this sure. part. Uh, um, you know, in, 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 in Mike Bossy's passing, um, you know, he's, he's uh, I don't know if you, if you follow social media at all, but uh, there have been this remarkable letter that he wrote in 2017. Mike Bossy, obviously one of the most sensitive, articulate professional athletes, and he wrote this letter to his younger son, and it's been going viral this week right. on social media since uh, since he passed away. He was 60 years old. This was in 2017. Uh, and he wrote it to a 14-year-old Mike Bossy. And people right. who are not hockey fans have been circulating this around the world. And if, if you're listening and you haven't, just go check it out on social media. You will find it everywhere. It has brought tears to so many people, and have and he's and and his and his indelible uh, mark that he's left on people. I just want to quote some of the things that he said, and I'll ask you, Denis, to react to just a couple of his quotes from this letter. This is in the words of Mike Bossy writing to himself uh, at the age of sixty to a fourteen-year-old Mike Bossy. He said, "My biggest piece of advice is to remember more of it." As sad as sad as it is to say, I write this to you at 60 years old, I can barely remember anything about lifting those Stanley Cups. Think about that. He remembers Brian Trotry, but he, he doesn't remember himself lifting the Stanley Cups. And he's telling his 14-year-old self, enjoy the moment more it's coming. And at the end of it all, this is what I think put a lot of people in tears, is the remarkable friendship he had with Brian Trache. Um, and he says this right at the end of his letter. We can look backward, say, thank God I was an Islander, and I love you, Brian Trache. That has moved people to tears all around the world in the last three days. Denis, you're a member, you're a brother of these remarkable teammates that you have. You fought wars together. Um, just a remarkable thing that Brian, uh, that Mike Bossy left behind for all of us. Denis? Well, uh, you know, if you can envision uh, the dressing room, the home dressing room at the Coliseum, uh, Brian Trache sat right next to me for 14 years. Uh, Mike Bossy sat right across from us on the other side of the room. And I could sense I mean, truly, there was no words that needed to be spoken between the two of them as they looked at each other across the room. And the three of us really felt like if things were not going well, it was up to us. We had to do something. Now, of course, we had a tremendous amount of depth on our hockey team. You know, obviously with Parkey and Borney and JT and Butchie, it just goes on and on. And everybody had a leadership mind. Everybody felt that we could go out and win a game, or more importantly, if you look at our overtime stats, I think we won seven out of ten overtime games throughout those years. Everybody wanted to score, and a lot of those goals came from guys like Bobby Nystrom and John Tonelli. But Bossy was probably the most courageous player, I really, I think, which slash tough. 
because of what he had to endure going to the front of the net. Everybody knows, Lou will tell you, you got to have courage to be successful in the NHL. And Bossy had all of those things. But the relationship between those two, I mean, you can say what you want, you know, it's love and marriage, horse and buggy, I mean, uh, peanut butter on bread. I mean, it was, they were so tight. And I was honored that they would come to my room on the road, knock on the door, and they say, hey, Dad. Oh, I think, Denis, are you still there? I think we may have lost, uh, we may have lost Denis, uh, Owen, Santiago, if you can get Denis back on the phone. Naz, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Yeah, we'll see if we can get Denis back on the phone. The interesting thing, uh, just to wrap it up, we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, uh, Farpet, uh, Owen Santiago, if you can pop me a Skype letting me know if you get Denis back on the, back on the phone. Um, um, uh, interesting thing about uh, Mike Bossy, um, you know, he's he's been retired since 1987. He had to retire way too soon at the age of 30. He only played 10 seasons. Still has the highest average games, goals per game average. Uh, more than Mario Lemieux, more than Alex Ovechkin, more than um, Wayne Gretzky. Most 50-goal seasons tied with Wayne Gretzky. Nine out of the ten years that he played, he scored 50 goals. And in the tenth season, the only reason he didn't score 50 goals, he only played 63 games because of a bad back. He had 38 uh, goals that season. Uh, this is a, a statistic. Uh, statistic of Mike Bossy, I was completely unaware of. You know, he's reputed to be the greatest goal scorer, and not even reputed. He, as far as I'm concerned, he was the greatest goal scorer of all time. Third highest all-time average points per game in a regular season. Remarkable statistic. Only 10 years. Denis, well, do we have you back on the line? I'm here. Yeah, Denis, you know, it's uh, we were just talking about uh, Mike's remarkable stats. Unfortunately, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, yeah, uh, you know, you know, had to retire way too early. Um, but we, you know, people—I don't know if we forget—he wasn't just the goal scorer. I mean, he had, uh, you know, you know, uh, he, he had a lot of points—147 points in in, in one season. Um, consistently, well, you know what? He he could pass the puck as well as anybody. And he broke a lot of records, but he set up a lot of records. We're in Madison Square Garden, and I was tied with Bobby Orr for the most points in the NHL as a defenseman. And what do you think I'm going to do? As soon as I get a chance, I'm going to pass the puck to Mike Bossy. Well, I passed him the puck. He went in and scored. That's how I broke Bobby Orr's point record for an NHL career as a defenseman. He was amazing. Bossy could do it all. And just to, you know, I know you don't have a lot of time, but you had asked about the relationship between Bossy and Trache. And I sat right next to uh, Brian Trache for 15 years. Brian Trache left Pittsburgh last week, and he drove to uh, Laval to go see his, his buddy. And uh, it was very, very emotional because, when he saw Boss, he could see that Boss was, you know, not coming back. I mean, he was able to make him laugh, as, as Trotz does. But on the way back, Trotz called me because I we'd been talking quite often. And uh, he broke down while driving. I think he had to pull over. 
Um, very emotional. They were very, very close. Very yeah. close. Uh, Lou, we've only got about a about a minute and ten sec a minute and ten seconds left. I know uh, I know you'd like to have a final uh, final little chat with uh, with uh, a man that you respect uh, as much as anybody you ever played against. Uh, Lou and Denis, I'll let you guys take over the last thirty seconds to a minute of the show. Yeah, it's really got to be hard on the on the Islander family. Uh, I knew Clark very well. Uh, I got to know Brian very well. Uh, and obviously playing against you, knowing that you were uh, a big force in that uh, uh, Islander dynasty. Uh, and my heart goes out to all of you guys that, that have played together, um, along with Bobby Nystrom, Bobby, uh, Bobby Bourne, and uh, uh, oh, yeah. Boring. Uh, but one question uh, I wanted to ask you, Denny, and it, it always comes back to us old players. Uh, you did mention that uh, Mike Bossy was a, was a warrior standing in front of the net. What yeah. do you think, in so many le- less words, of where the NHL is going nowadays with uh, you can stand in front of the net and really not get abused as much as, as Mike did? <laughs> Lou, I wouldn't be able to touch you today. <laughs> Denis, uh, Denis, I'm going to have to... Uh, unfortunately, uh, my good producer is giving me the X sign, so uh, unless, he, uh, unless okay. I want him to cut us off in well, the I- sentence. Lou, I think the best hockey was when we played in the 70s and the 80s. It certainly was. Denis, I'm going to take the opportunity now to wrap this up. I want to thank you sincerely. Uh, Once again, our condolences. This has been a difficult couple of months. You lost Jean, your brother, who was a great hockey player in his own right. Of course, Clark and Mike. It means the world for, for you to come on and share your fond remembrances with our listeners of your good friend, Mike Bossy. Thank you so much. All right. Well, God bless you guys, and uh, I really like it when you call me Denis. That doesn't <laughs> happen too much anymore. <laughs> I'll always remember name. you as with the Ottawa 67s, uh, 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 Denis. Very good. So, Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Unfortunately, we have to go. Naz, two seconds. Yeah. Last word. Thanks, Denis, and uh, rest in peace, Mike. Rest in peace, Mike. Right. Rest in peace, Tom McCarthy. Yeah. Louis, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, All our guys. listeners have a fantastic it. week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.